you see, you take one step and all of a sudden the next door opens and then the next door opens. It was just remarkable what was unfolding. Welcome to Forward with NACI, Inspiring Entrepreneurial Action, a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to this episode of Forward with Nacy. Today we have a returning guest, Dr. Angela Long, who is the Chief Engagement Officer at Tallahassee Community College in Florida. And we have so much to talk about. So let's just jump right in. And I'm going to call you Angela. And why don't you just tell us, Angela, how you're doing today and maybe share with our listeners around the world a little bit about you. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Corbin. And I'll call you Becky. Uh, Becky and I are are good friends. I'm so honored and grateful to have this connection with Macy, with her leadership and the leadership of the organization. So as she mentioned, I am the Chief Engagement Officer at Tallahassee Community College, which is a fun title. There's actually a book out there called The New CEO. And my president hired me specifically to oversee three things. Number one, the strategic plan of our institution. Often we map out our pillars and what we're focused on, our goals, mission, vision, right? But but rarely are people able to quote it. And so how do you tell your story? Is the mission of your work, you know, embedded in the heart, not just the heart of the person, you know, as some of the people at the top with administration, the executive leadership, but everyone from the frontline worker, you know, do they know the mission of the college, the vision, the strategic plan. It shouldn't be something on a piece of paper or, you know, on a website. And so for me, my role here is to really help this college where I work, Tallahassee Community College, uh, tell its story. I also run the President's Leadership Institute, um, and I work with our president to, you know, help others lift them up. And so we encourage people without, you know, throughout the campus uh, to present at national conferences and really nominate, you know, golden people to have opportunity that normally wouldn't see themselves in that role. But as Becky mentioned, not only do I work here at Tallahassee Community College, I've been very blessed. I've got an amazing story, at least I feel I do, but I could really write a book about my my life. Uh, But when I was in high school, I will say, Becky, I didn't want to go to college uh, right away. I said, oh, it's grade 13. And you know, an opportunity came for me, I actually won a scholarship. It was a little bit shocking. Uh, For me, it was a journalism scholarship. And I had to go and the local community (laughs) college opened their doors to me. And I have to tell you, it it changed my life. And there was something about the community college that just drew me. People were friendly. I wasn't a number. I was a name. Uh, I had really good grades and I got involved in track and field and just something changed for me. And at that moment, I said, you know what, maybe, maybe I have opportunity to impact uh, education, not just small scale, but large scale. And so my journey began, um, I went straight through, I got my uh, undergrad in elementary education. So I am a licensed uh, elementary school teacher. Some people don't know that. I have a master's in school counseling. And then my doctorate, not shockingly, is in community college leadership. And so I'm just, as you said, how am I doing today? Great. Every day, Becky is a gift. And I believe this with all my heart. You know, when you see things in life and we all go through trials, uh, we all experience hardship from time to time. It's part of the human story, right? 
But I think we learn from from those hard moments, you know, just to be grateful. Gratitude to me is everything. And I, what I want to start off with our conversation, and then I'll I'll let you ask your your next question. Uh, but really, don't underestimate who you are, because I think often we look at ourselves and say, well, you know, what what could I do? You know, how would I even make that impact? And I don't think one person. Um, realizes the potential of who they are. And so I hope today with this conversation with the listeners um, that somebody's going to walk away and be inspired to say, you know what, I'm going to take that next step and take a risk because you just might be the person that changes the system for good. Oh, I love that's such a great intention to start the day. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast. This is our second year. So we've reached people in 51 countries and 750 American cities. And that's always the the spirit of, of that we enter into telling these stories. And I think your story is is particularly impactful because you you really saw that somebody believed in you, right? And that that's what you've dedicated your work to. And I've seen you in action. And I imagine at times you might get stuck, but you're one of those people that always operates above the line. Like you seem like you always try to give to others. And I think that's what we're we're going to try to do today. And kind of leaning into a story of how you and I met, which I believe maybe it was five years ago now, you reached out to me kind of through a cold call, through an introduction of a, a mutual friend, somebody that we both admire very much, um, President Madeline Pumariega, who's now um, leading Miami-Dade, uh, the largest or the second largest, I know it always flips back and forth, college in the country. And so we, we've learned a lot from that experience, but it got us involved in a book writing project. And I have a copy of your book right in front of me, Overcoming Educational Racism in the Community College, Creating Pathways for Success for Minority Impoverished Student Populations. That's kind of a heavy topic. And I know we've interviewed you on that before. But what I'd like to get into is really this sort of book writing world. Um, It was new to me and you actually introduced me to that. And you and I grew through the process and we grew, uh, I think, a very robust friendship. But tell us, how did you get involved with uh, writing a book and then becoming an editor of a book? And it sounds like you might have an idea for a future book in your pocket. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yes. So it's amazing, honestly, how we met. And I think it was it was part of our path uh, to meet because we still have work to do. But how I jumped into the publishing world was really remarkable. I'm going to tell you because it was always on my heart. I always felt like, okay, there's a book out there. I will say when I was in graduate school and I was working on my research, I ended up working with the National Center for Education Statistics. And they actually invited me to say, Angela, if you would like to tap into our data pool, national data pool, we will allow it. Um, It was a little bit intimidating. I had to sort of sign my life away, but I worked with a statistician and I focused on students that had GEDs. Um, Most people don't realize that one in seven Americans actually has a GED. It's not a small population. And the story actually goes way back from there. When I was in graduate school, I worked in the advising center and I also was a uh, chief examiner for the GED test at the community college. And I did that part-time and I started noticing patterns of these students, very smart, intelligent, just capable people, but they were walking away within two weeks of of enrolling at the community college once they had earned their GED. And I thought, what's going on? 
And so I just started this journey of asking questions. I wanted to know why. And I will tell you, out of 365 students that I had worked with at this local community college, uh, this is in Oregon, um, Quah Community College, only 11 went on to actually get a a two-year degree out of 365. And all of them were given scholarships their their first semester. Um, It bothered me. So I started calling around, uh, find out this is the story across the country. So when I started looking at the research, I knew a book should come from this. You know, it's amazing how sometimes you're calling, you don't necessarily head towards it, but it falls in your lap. And so for me, I realized, okay, this is part of my calling is to do this, this investigative research. So looking at this national data set, I found that students that had GEDs, they dropped out at a faster rate within the first few weeks of college. But those that persisted actually had higher GPAs. Uh, They tended to be older, female, have dependents, and it was really life or death for them to get their education. Well, my heart was drawn to this. So, So, Becky, I took a group of students. I was working at the time at Santa Fe College in Gainesville, Florida. Amazing experience. They ended up becoming an Aspen Prize College. And so when I was there, they actually allowed me to take a group of students with GEDs. We started a program and went up to D.C. And I had them speak before uh, White House staff. It was quite an amazing experience uh, before the American Association of Community Colleges. In one of those meetings, I actually had a gentleman come up to me, said, Angela, he said, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. And his name was Dr. Christopher Mullen, uh, and he was the policy analyst for the AACC National. And I have to tell you, it it planted a seed in my heart. We came home. Uh, Students were excited. They got to share their story. There were tears in those meetings because they shared a lot about what they had been through. And everybody has, you know, a story. And so I actually went back and met him uh, not long after. I flew up to D.C. and we talked and I said, Dr. Mullen, I want you to know I have a book on my heart. And I said, I'm here to ask, would you be willing to co-author a book with me? And can I tell you, Becky, he said immediately, he said, yes, I would love to. Honestly, my mouth dropped. I thought, wow, that was a quick response. (laughs) Well, come to find out his sister had a GED and this was near and dear to his heart. He said, Angela, I have the data we need to do this book. So we started working and I contacted researchers all over the country. I contacted individuals, you know, that had a story, students. And the first book we we said from start to finish, we're going to do this. In one year, in one year from, from the moment we had met, we had that book published. And the first publisher I talked to, I'm going to tell you this is bold, but you know me, I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> bold. I'm not a wallflower. It was at Stylus Publishing. And the publisher, John, he said to me, when we met, I said, well, you know, Mr. Von Noring, I said, with this book, here it is, because I had already gathered the chapters. I had my author's. Well, Becky, nobody really does that. Um, (laughs) When you go to a publishing company, you have a proposal, you put it together. Well, my book was pretty much written. We had done the work because I knew what I what needed to be in it. And he said, well, this is not common. He said, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and and we're going to publish this book. I think there's value in this book. He said, but you did it backwards. He said, normally you propose it, then we accept it. And I said, well, listen, either take it or leave it because this is the book. I know that's bold, but that first book was called America's Forgotten Student Population, and it was about students with GEDs. That launched me 
I'm going to tell you uh, into the next book. And so I met with John, our editor who helped edit the book. I was I was co-editor of the book, but the one that actually helps with the publishing process, Susan, uh, she was out of New York. And so we met in D.C. John is from England. And here we are in a French restaurant. <laughs> and we we actually pitched to him, you know, there's a value in not just doing another book, but maybe doing a series. And it was in that lovely luncheon that that we had this conversation. He said, I love it. Let's do it. And so at that moment, I stepped into a role to be co-editor of a national book series called Innovative Ideas for Community Colleges. So you see, you take one step and all of a sudden the next door opens and then the next door opens. It was just remarkable what was unfolding. I actually left my my role working at Santa Fe College. I was a coordinator of uh, student leadership and activities. So I was an advisor to student government, um, but I knew I had to do this. And so I was teaching on the side and I was working on these books. And as I started talking with people, Becky, across the country, I'm looking at the numbers of students of color, uh, students in poverty. And, you know, I talk about the the dropout rate amongst uh, high school students and then they earn a GED. But when you look at students of color coming into a community college, I don't know if people realize, but 50% um, of all community college students drop out within the first year. This is national. Of those that are students of color, 70% drop out within the first year, 70%. For students of color that actually persist, only 10 to 12% go on to earn a college degree. And when I saw the numbers, I have to tell you, it hit me in the heart. And I said, this is a book. We've got to do this book. And so I just began to make phone calls. And one of the first calls I made was to Dr. Eduardo Padron, who then was the president of Miami-Dade. And he's obviously has quite the legacy. And he said, Angela, I'd love to help. I just began to knock on doors. Becky, I, I literally took trips to D.C. and I would knock on doors. I would go to policy analysts. I would say, can you help me? And I have to tell you, every person I met with, not only did they agree to be a part of the book, they said, this is timely. So that is actually how I ended up meeting you uh, was through Madeline Pumariega, who was chancellor of the Florida College System. But she started the Idea Center at Miami-Dade, and that was in that second book. I'm just very, very excited to see what's happening even today, because as we move forward, I actually want to partner with you, with NACI. Uh, to focus on our next book, which is on the future of work and learning. And what does that mean, you know, for community colleges and the leadership? Yeah, it's so it's so timely. And I think when I have worked with you and just getting to know you, you really think with an entrepreneurial mindset. Some people think, okay, if I'm an entrepreneur, it means I have to invent something or I have to start my own business. That is not the case. I mean, it's really growth mindset, right? It's not looking at a problem that is so huge that you get stymied and stuck, you start to think about how can I, you know, really understand what the problem is, define it, and then really think about some solutions. And I know a lot of people um, have read your book. We've featured your book at our conference, including our 20th anniversary conference um, that we just finished last week. And and just, it continues to live on, right? And, And it continues to kind of um, ignite that curiosity, right? Because that's what I, I have learned from you and what I see and I feel from you is really that why and, and constantly. And if you ask why enough, a lot of times you get really to the heart of the issue. And I think ultimately the book that you and I collaborated on was 
ambitious. So you made me do it the right way. <laughs> so I didn't write it first. So um, just for anybody who might be thinking about writing a book in your future, a lot of times you have to really come up with a proposal, right? Why, why are you writing this book? What, what is the market for this? And so actually in the process of, of writing that, that book that we did together, um, Community Colleges as Incubators of Innovation, it really caused me to think about, you know, how, what is the community college role in, in trying to not only spur on economic development and more creative experiential teaching, but really innovating at the core level? And I think that's the work that we're doing together. And, and that's what I'm excited about going into the future. So I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I know a lot of what you think about um, in terms of your next project that you, you're mulling over for the future of workforce why don't you tell, um, share with our audience some of the things that you see for the future? I mean, you've worked um, in a community college and multiple community colleges and multiple roles. Now you're in a very senior level working for Dr. Jim Murdaugh, who is your boss and is sort of my boss too, because he's on the NACI board. So we both look out in that equation. But share with us, Angela, in the spirit as we enter into Thanksgiving and the harvest time, not only things that you're grateful for, but what you see in the future as impacting higher education. Wow, thank you. That's a really excellent question. Well, I will say this, community colleges to me are really, really special. And in this sense, you know, some say that community colleges are the Ellis Island of higher education because people come to us, we're open access uh, with hope in their heart. They have a dream. I don't know any student that enrolls and says, you know what, I'm just going to go through the application process. And two weeks later, I'm going to drop out just for the fun of it. You know, I don't know anybody who does that. Yet there are vast numbers of students out there, of people um, that are just trying to find their place and their purpose. And we as a workforce engine of America, community colleges have a role uh, that universities really don't in terms of how we're addressing the needs of the community. Um, but not just that, it's the innovation. And I think as we're looking to the future and we're thinking about the future of work and we're thinking about, you know, what is learning going to look like? It's it's already moving very quickly. You know, they, they say 85% of the jobs we train for today won't exist by 2030. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we think about our students, many of the students that are coming into the system, number one, they need to know, do they have a sense of belonging? Do they see their future selves, you know, moving forward? Because a lot of people, they're very talented, you know, but they don't see themselves as being talented or they don't think they're good enough or they're worthy enough. And I think it's our mission is we need to find people to say, you know what, not only do you belong, but you have a bright future ahead of you. You have something to offer in society. And this is why I love entrepreneurship, just the mindset so much. And again, it's not about, you know, it's great, own your own business. That's a side of it. But the thinking behind it, it, it's looking at how do I solve problems unique to my community, unique to my institution, right? And be the change agents that are changing the future. Because a lot of the students that we are embracing right now, they're part of the story. They're part of our communities. They're part of building back our societies. And they're going to contribute you know, to either making or breaking our society in the sense if we don't tap in to the human lives that surround us and let many of these these students, especially in poverty, know, hey, you matter. And here's an opportunity. Come through our doors and we're going to help you achieve your goals. These are the very people that we are learning from, you know. And so when I think about moving forward and just the gratitude, 
again, I go back, don't ever underestimate the value of your life. And I say this to your audience, to you, uh, because every person I believe has purpose. And we are living in a society of, of lack of purpose. And a lot of people walking around, they don't know why they're here. You know, I see it all the time, even students, you know, why am I here? Why am I even on this earth? And, you know, unfortunately, Becky, the number one cause of death today is suicide. And going through the pandemic, many people are questioning their lives or questioning, well, what is my, my purpose? And, you know, what's my future? And some are very discouraged. But I want to give a word I want to say of, of encouragement in this sense. Don't underestimate your life, the value of your life, what you can contribute, um, the opportunity to, to change something in your society, you know, in your community. And what's even more powerful is this. I believe if we gather enough people, the right people in the room, and, and you have that synergy, imagine what we could do. Because my dad has always said to me, it only takes one person, you know, to change a, a system, a nation for good or bad. But it could be you, Becky, you don't know what you could do nationally or any one of the listeners here, maybe somebody on this, this podcast that's listening, you're going to write a book that's going to be transformative to, to education. And I encourage that. So I guess my, my closing message is this every day, be grateful. You know, we're walking, we're, we're for those that can walk, some can't, but the fact that you have breath in your lungs, the fact that you, you know, are able to, to express, you know, gratitude, it's everything. And so I just want to encourage all of us to, you know, take the next step. Uh, why not write another book? You know, why not knock on that door? Why not call upon this leader in education or at the government level to say, hey, let's work together? Because if you don't ask and you don't knock, it won't open whether, you know, you do anything because it's nothing's going to change if you don't even try. And so I'm one of those people, as Becky, you are. I believe we need to really seize the day. And I'm just grateful for people like you. I am grateful for, you know, my president, uh, the people I work with, because at the end of the day, you know, work's going to always be there. But what is the legacy each of us are leaving when when we are no longer on this earth? When people hear your name, what are they going to think about? What will they remember? You know, that's what we need to be thinking about is what are we leaving? What seeds are we planting that will become, you know, huge oak trees? And we may not see, I will say this, we may not see the value of our work overnight. I think sometimes people get tired because they work so hard and hard. And sometimes you don't see it, but it may not be in the season you think it's to, it's to come. And so don't ever lose hope. You know, don't ever get weary where you just say, I'm done. And I say this to many presidents because often, you know, we talk about our students and encouraging them, but we need to encourage our administration this That's is an right. interesting time. Don't you agree? I mean, oh, I, I yeah. do. I do. Because that's, you know, when you get in, you know, into those jobs, I, I think a lot of presidents, it's very lonely. You know, they, they're they shouldering a lot of responsibility. And, and I know people don't see that. And, and I have the privilege of working with hundreds of them around the country. And I know how much they care. And I, I think what you're talking about, people... Um, like yourself that take it upon themselves to encourage others because you just don't know you you people get discouraged and sometimes you don't see it and I think that's really that that sense of community and I think also we had talked about this before of looking at things in terms of a long game you know we're going to stumble along the way where it might have misunderstandings I know even when you and I were going through the book project I remember I called you one Saturday I was at my son's 
um, game. And I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I just felt very discouraged. I got all the chapters back and it was really messed up. And you talked, took my call on a Saturday and you just said, you know what? we're going to get through this. We are going to come up with a solution. And I think whether it's a book or whether it's a job or whether it's a family situation, I think having people that you can trust to just kind of pat you on the back and say, it's okay. You know, it is messed up right now, but we're going, we're going to fix it. And I think you and I, and many, many others around the country have that unique opportunity. And I don't ever take it for granted because I know how precious it is to, to be in this space. So I want to thank you, Angela. I, I just know people listening to this are going to get uplifted by this today. And if you want to find Angela, you go to the Tallahassee Community College website and um, Google uh, Dr. Angela Long, Chief Engagement Officer, and, and you can learn more about her work. So um, I wish all of our listeners a wonderful day and, and tap into your passion and, and let's all make the world a better place. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at NACI.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www dot nacyplaybook dot com